Good morning. Oh, come, let us adore him. this morning is found in Psalm 27. Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to, be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, Seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me. God, my Savior. If you are able, I invite you to stand and sing with us this next song. of our praise 
and our worship, and we say that we desire to seek you, and yet we confess that we get so easily distracted, we start to doubt and we start to wander. It is our desire to walk with you and to follow you and to be in step with you. And so I pray that you would change our hearts and make us the people, the children of yours that you long for us to be. Amen. You may be seated.
For our scripture reading this morning, I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 to 23. Matthew 4, 12 to 23. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Good morning. All right. Let's bow together and dismiss the children to Children's Church. Dear God, we thank you for each and every one of the children here this morning. Lord, we pray your blessing on them. And we pray that as they go to Children's Church now, that you will be with them, that you will teach them new and wonderful things that will be with them in great ways all their lives. And we also pray for the teacher, give them the words to say. Lord, this we pray for. Amen. All right. So, Children's Church, down the hall, that way. So, if you have your bulletins on you, now is the time to pull them out. And we have wonderful things to talk about on there. The first is that you can smell it already, and it is wonderful. There is a potluck this morning. If your last name is between N to Z, then you can be in charge of setup and cleanup. But otherwise, stay after the service. It'll be a good time. It'll be great food. It'll be good conversation. I'm looking forward to it. Next, there's going to be a congregational meeting this coming week on Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. here at the church. The big thing that we're going to be talking about, as you probably guessed coming in, is we're going to be talking about the budget. So make sure to get a copy, familiarize yourself, and congregational meeting on Tuesday. Uh, what I will say about it is that while only members can vote to pass things, at the same time it's open to anybody that wants to come for a congregational meeting and can talk accordingly. So Tuesday, 7.30 p.m. Next, Wednesday, 2 p.m. I accidentally made the mistake on the last email of saying that it, uh, it was Tuesday that the prayer meeting was going to be. No, it's Wednesday that the prayer meeting is going to be at 2 p.m. in the afternoon. We're trying something new. It'll be here at the church that afternoon. So come on out for that. Uh, it'll be a good time. So Come on out for that. Uh, 6.30 p.m., Kids Connect here at the church. We want to continue to keep them in our prayers as well. They are doing wonderful things, and so we just want to keep praying that God will bless that ministry. 
but Kids Connect, 6.30 p.m. at the church. Also, at the same time while I am saying that, uh, if you want to be making a snack for Kids Connect, contact Amy Taves, uh, as well as we are hoping to get a few more people to help with Woodcrafts. And if you want to help with that, uh, then talk to Christine, and they will get you sorted out. All right, going on. Girls Bible Study, Thursday, 7.30 p.m. at Bethany's house. Uh, and then next Sunday, Sunday school, 9.45, 10.45, the worship service, and 7 p.m. is when we're going to be having our next music night at the church. This week, uh, sorry, this month, it's going to be another quiet music. There will be coffee, there will be snacks, uh, there will be good stories to be told, and I believe Fender Hill as well is one of the bands that is going to be playing quiet music, and so I'm excited for that. I hope you can all make it out next Sunday at 7 p.m. for our next music night at the church. And I'll tell you right now, uh, having talked to him five times during the week, Jeff, who is organizing this, is excited. So it's going to be a good time. All right. Then going down, uh, January 24th and 25th, quilting at the Summerfeld Church and February 3rd to 5th, Mission Fest is going to be running at Church of the Rock. Uh, I know that there are a number of people from our congregation that are looking to go, so if you are interested, look up Mission Fest online, see what they're all about, see which of the days are interesting to go, and it'll be a good time. All right, any more announcements? Then on to items to pray for. First one, God's leading in wisdom at our congregational meeting on Tuesday. We are going to be talking budgets, as I said before, and budgets are one of those interesting things, and by that I mean to people like me that worked in accounting, they are an interesting thing, and for most other people, they just make their eyes gloss over. But at the same time, budgets are very important to the functioning of anything, including our congregation, and so we want to pray for God's leading in that, God's wisdom in the discussions around that, and that wonderful things come, and so we want to pray for God's wisdom for the congregation congregational meeting this coming Tuesday. Uh, we also want to pray for safety and enjoyment at Valley View. The skiing hill, not the skiing hill, the tubing hill, there we go, is in full swing right now. And so we want to pray uh, for safety over this season. We want to pray that many people come out and that it is a blessing for Valley View and the whole area as well. And then we are already a couple years into the, couple weeks into the new year. Our students are back at university as well as high school and middle school and early school. And our teachers are back as well. And if I know anything about the end of the first semester, I am sure they are looking for the beginning of the second. So we want to pray for all of them as they are prepping for exams. We want to pray for the teachers as they are doing the same. And we want to pray as the transition happens to the next semester that it will be a good one, that there will be comfort for our Lord, for our teachers and students, and that they will find the rest of the year exactly what they needed it to be. All right, let's bow now in prayer. Dear God, we come before you in prayer this morning. We come before you in prayer, first off, praising your name. Lord, we love to see all of the ways that you are working in our town, all the ways that you are working in our larger community. We love to see all of the things that you do. And we can see them by looking at that tubing hill, just the amount of people that go through there, the amount of people exposed to the ministry of Valley View. Lord, we thank you for that. So Lord, we pray for safety over this coming year. 
Lord, we pray that it will be a great tubing season. Lord, we pray that new people will come to wonder about who you are as a result. But Lord, we pray for Valley View, we pray for the volunteers, we pray for the staff, and we pray for the tubers as well. Help it to be a great season. And Lord, as we are praying for your blessings, our minds turn to our congregational meeting as well. Lord, we are talking budgets this coming week. And budgets have that weird way of either causing us to gloss over, look the other way, or get really, really into it. And so, Lord, we pray as we have the discussions around what will come that you will be there, that you will bless those discussions, that you will guide us as we need to be guided. Lord, we pray that the result of the budget discussions are that looking forward, we will be able to see how it is that we are to be your church in new ways we never thought of before. Lord, that we pray. And God, we want to pray now for the students of our congregation. We want to pray for the university students as they have gone back, college as well. Lord, we pray that this new semester finds them well. Lord, we pray for those that are finishing out their time in education that they will know what it is they are to look for next, as well as that this last little bit will be a time that they will remember. And we pray for all of them, that you will bless them as they are learning, that they will pick up and they will keep these things near enough that they can recall them well. God, we pray that it'll be a great semester. And we pray the same thing for our students here, either in high school or in middle school or in early school. Lord, we pray that this year, 2023 in the first half, will be a blessing to them. That they will learn new things, that they will be a blessing to their teachers, that they will find new ways to follow you as students. And we want to pray for our teachers as well. The January slump is very much so a real thing. And so, God, we pray your strength be with them, your wisdom be with them, your guidance be with them, your blessing be with them. And we pray that they know just how appreciated they are by everyone here. Lord, we pray our blessing on our teachers this morning. And God, we pray as we look forward to the week ahead that we will follow you with all that we are. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. So, we find ourselves in a new place with our passage today. That is Matthew 4, verses 12 to 23. Matthew 4, verses 12 to 23. And this is a passage that I really like. I preached on it before a number of years ago. And I'm happy to be able to again, because what we see in this passage is something wonderful. What we see in this passage is the beginning of quite possibly the single most puzzling revolution coup, the single most puzzling invasion that has ever happened. And you heard this passage not too long ago, so you're probably thinking, what, what is he talking about? He's clearly reading the wrong passage, but stick with me. You'll, you'll see what I mean. But our passage begins in verse 12, being told that 
John the Baptist has just been arrested. We're not told why he was arrested in this passage. We know from other parts of the gospel, though, just what it is that caused it. And when we know what it is that caused it, suddenly we're not terribly surprised that he got arrested in the first place. Because the king of that region, his name was Herod. There was a number of King Herods, but this one was a particular type of guy. Because he had just married his brother's wife, who just also so happened to be his niece, because they were a confusing dynasty. (laughs) Strangely enough, not the weirdest thing that the Herodians had ever done. But it very, for good reasons, because ick, it very much so for good reason. It got the blood of John the Baptist just boiling. And so what he did is he proclaimed to everybody that he saw, which we know from other passages with John the Baptist, is a lot of people. Thousands of people would go to see John, would come to follow his word, repent and be baptized for the kingdom of the Lord is at hand. They would be baptized and they would be disciples and they were devoted to this man and there were thousands of them. And he preached to all of them, look at this King Herod, look what he did. He should repent for what he has done. And pro tip, if you ever find yourself in a despotic kingdom, first off, don't recommend But if you do, and you want to get arrested, and then have worse things happen to you next, that's a pretty surefire way of doing that. Just calling the king out in front of everybody, thousands of people, all who are dedicated to you. And so John was arrested, and he was carted off in chains. But not before he did something else. We see it and the passage is right before this. Not before he told all of his followers also that Jesus Christ was here. Jesus Christ, who was the chosen one of God. Jesus Christ, who was anointed by God, meaning he could do what it is that God had set for him to do. Jesus Christ, who was the Messiah who would bring the coming kingdom of our Lord. This is what he told all who would listen. And now all of those people that had listened to John say that had seen their master carted off in chains for doing something that was the right thing to do. And they were looking at Jesus, wondering what was about to come next. And so we see Jesus begin his ministry. And he begins his ministry by going to Galilee to live in a city called Capernaum, by the the sea. It's right in the region of Zebulon and Naphtali, is what we're told in verse 13. And when Jesus picked up all that he had and he moved there, John's followers who were looking at Jesus being like, what are you going to do next? I have no doubt that they would have been very, very intrigued by that. They would have been very intrigued by that because Capernaum is a very special place. It's very special because of what we see right here for one of the reasons. 
If any of John's followers would have been people that knew their Bibles back and forth, their scriptures back and forth, they would have seen that Capernaum was right in the middle of those ancestral lands, Zebulun and Naphtali. That is where the Messiah was going to start his ministry. That is where the chosen one was going to be bringing the kingdom of heaven from first. And so that Jesus went there to begin his ministry, that, that would have gotten them very interested. But even beyond that, even those that wouldn't have known their scriptures particularly well, that he went to Capernaum, that would have been interesting for other reasons as well, because that's the nearest major city to where John the Baptist did his ministry. He did his ministry on the banks of the Jordan, and Capernaum wasn't too far to the north of that. It was so close that in the region of Galilee, almost all of the named disciples, all of the named disciples that John has that eventually come over to Jesus, they all live in Galilee. We're going to see a couple of them later on in our passage today. And so we know that Capernaum is just flooded with these thousands of followers of John, all who are angry that their master had been taken away, all who are looking at Jesus now to see what is about to come. And if neither one of those things did it for you, there is one other thing to keep in mind as well. The city of Capernaum is right in the heart of Herod's kingdom. Right in the beating heart of it. And so Jesus, the first thing that he did after John was carted off in chains as he packed up and he went to the city right next to the king that did this unjust thing and he started preaching the same message that got John arrested in the first place. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is drawing near. If there was ever a thing that would have been seen as a taunt, seen as a declaration, seen as... Just you try it. I dare say that would have been it. The followers of John, we know something about them just from books that have existed from this time, writings that have existed from this time, as well as what we see about them in the Bible themselves. And what we know is this. What we know is that they were made up of all of the different groups of Jewish people. At this period of time, there was many different groups of Jewish people. We've talked about a number of them. We've talked about the Pharisees. We've talked about the Sadducees. And in a couple weeks, I dare say, we'll mention the Zealots again. The Zealots were a particularly interesting one. We're going to come back to them in a little bit. But the Zealots believed that the way to bring the kingdom of heaven was at the point of a sword. The way to bring the kingdom of heaven was to help it along a little bit, doing anything that you need to, like throwing out the people that were oppressing us in any way necessary. And all of these groups, they all came to hear what John had to say. They were all together the people that were baptized by him, all together made up John's followers each with their different understandings of what it is that John was saying. And at the same time, all of these groups lived in a very unfortunate period of time as well. They lived in a period of time where they were under the boot of Herod, who wasn't 
He claimed to be a Jewish king, but his ancestors were all from outside. And as well as they were under the boots of Rome, and both of them, they would persecute them. They would take everything that they could. They were just... I don't know if there's a better way to sum it up other than to say that outside of the major cities at that time, there was rows upon rows of people being crucified for standing up against the powers that be. This is when these people lived. And they all came to John. They all followed John. John who preached that one day the kingdom of heaven that would see the oppressed built up. John who preached that Jesus Christ was coming. Jesus Christ who was God's chosen who would baptize with fire. We know from a number of writings at the time that what the people were expecting, it wasn't just something spiritual. What the people were expecting was a war itself to bring on the kingdom of heaven. And into that you see Jesus Christ in the heart of Herod's kingdom, preaching the very message that got his predecessor arrested. But then something very interesting happens in our passage. It goes on. And where you would expect that Jesus would be raising for himself everything that he needs to have in place in order to be that invasion, be that coup, be that revolution, gathering generals around himself, raising up an army, where you'd expect to see that, we see something very puzzlingly different instead. What we see is that one day Jesus decides to go for a walk on the beach beside the Sea of Galilee. Nice. I'm sure it's beautiful. And as he goes for a walk, he comes across two brothers, Peter and Andrew, fishing with a net. We met Peter and Andrew last Sunday, but Jesus, we see, calls out to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That is very poignant. It's very beautiful. It's also a dad pun. But I think that's part of the charm of it. And they do. They, they get out of their boats and they follow our Lord. They go a little farther. There are two more fishers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, mending their nets. Jesus calls out to them, Follow me. And again, they do. And we read that that group together goes across all of Galilee, teaching and preaching in synagogues and healing the sick and the infirmed. Where we are expecting Jesus to raise up an army were we expecting Jesus to bring to his cause generals? 
what we instead see that he brings to his cause fishermen, common people like you and me. And in place of an army, all the men fighting fits, swords in hand, we see that the sick and the infirmed are who our Lord reaches out to first. Well, probably not the best army right there. I have no doubt that they were absolutely beyond the moon to hear that there was a God who loved even them. The word of the Lord. I like our passage today. I know that that telling of it is reading into an awful lot of history, but it's all history that is very well accounted for. We know that there was many people that were looking to Jesus, expecting that he would be the one to bring the war. He would be the one to bring the kingdom, to cast out the evil, everyone else, and he was going to do it at the point of a sword. And just when we were expecting that to happen, we instead get a different picture of what the coming kingdom is actually like. While we were expecting to see that the coming kingdom was going to be brought by might, was going to be brought by strength, was going to be something that all the nations of the world would bow down to because they were afraid of it just as much as anything else. What we instead get is our Lord gathering around himself common people like you and me before going out and preaching the good news that Jesus Christ has come to the salvation of sins to the people that needed to hear that God loved them the most. It's puzzling just how different those two things are. What we expect the kingdom to be as compared to what we are shown it actually is. It's puzzling. The book of Matthew was written in 80 to 90 AD. It was written by Matthew to a number of Jewish groups that were still around at that time. And it was written for the purpose of showing them how Jesus Christ fulfilled the scriptures, how Jesus Christ was the chosen one of God, how Jesus Christ was the one who he claimed to be, how he was the son of God who came to die for our sins, who came to free the world, who came to who came because he loved us. Now, here's a question for you. History bus in the audience. Around 60 to 70 AD, what happens in Palestine during that time? Anyone know? I think Sheldon does. We talked about it the other day. <laughs> Destruction of the temple. There was a rebellion that happened. Those zealots I mentioned before, they had gotten their way and they had led their own attempt to bring the kingdom of heaven, their own attempt to bring the kingdom of God down, and their own attempt involved an entire army to force everyone that wasn't them out. And it went very poorly, very poorly. 
It ended with the temple being destroyed. It ended with all of the people of Palestine, of Israel, being carted off to the corners of the empire. It ended with thousands dead. And this is the same group of people that Matthew wrote his gospel for. Read it with that in mind. Read his gospel of Jesus Christ, the one who is the Messiah who came to bring the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom that is puzzlingly built, not with fire, not with death, not with the sword, but instead by caring for those who need us to care for them the most. By spreading the good news that Jesus Christ has come because he loves us. And if we only believe who he is, the son of God, our sins will be forgiven and we will be with him. Read that kingdom as compared to the kingdom that was just ground into dust. How this book reads then is as a comparison. The kingdom you tried to build, where is it now? The kingdom you tried to build is in blood and rubble. But how is the kingdom that Jesus Christ, the one that John the Baptist said was the one who would come to build the kingdom, who was the Messiah, who was the Son of God, how is the kingdom Jesus Christ built doing? It continues on. And I think there's a lot for us to take from that. I think there's a lot for us to take from that because I think all too often we think of the kingdom in the same way that the zealots did. We think of what the kingdom is as something that is brought by statecraft, something that is brought by our own might, our own ingenuity, something that is a Christian nation for us Christian folk. That's what we all too often think of as what the kingdom of heaven will be like. But that isn't what we're shown the kingdom of heaven is. What we're shown in this passage that the kingdom of heaven is, is instead exactly what it is that our Lord goes to build. We're shown that what it is is a soon coming time that will see the low lifted up. A soon coming time that We'll see the poor with food. We'll see the sick healed. We'll see those who mourn comforted. Look down to chapter 5, right in the beginning, the Beatitudes. It's the summary right there. That is what we are shown the kingdom will be. And that resonates because that is what Isaiah says it'll be as well.
And so we're left wondering, what kingdom is it that we're building? That's the question I have for you today. With your faith, with the actions that you do, what kingdom is it that you're building? Are you building the kingdom that we see our Lord build in this passage today? Or are you building the other kingdom that seeks power for ourselves, that seeks a place for ourselves at the exclusion of others, that seeks strength and might? Because if that's the kingdom that you are building, that only ever ends in one way, in rubble and blood, while the other one will go on forever. Thankfully, it's pretty easy to tell which kingdom it is that you're building with your life. Because if you're building the kingdom of heaven that our Lord came to build, that looks a particular way. There's a reason why in Matthew 4, Jesus and the fishermen, they go around and they are preaching the good news and they are healing the sick and the infirmed. There's a reason for that because the kingdom that we are building, it can't help but look like the kingdom that God will bring. The kingdom that we are called to build alongside Jesus Christ is a kingdom that is marked by the care for the people that are sick, their healing. It is a kingdom that is marked by the comforting of those who mourn. It is a kingdom that is marked by the feeding of the hungry. It is marked by the caring for the merciful. It is marked by the being there for the pure. It is marked by being peacemakers and caring for those who are peacemakers. It is marked by caring for those who are persecuted because they are the children of God. That is what the kingdom of heaven is marked by. That is what it looks like. And so I ask you, with the kingdom that you are helping to build with your faith, does it show any of these things? With the actions that you are doing as you follow your faith, does that, does that see the sick healed? Does that see those who mourn comforted? Does that see those who are hungry fed? Does that see the peace of our Lord spread from here to the corners of the world or in any way at all? Because if the kingdom that you are building with your faith is not marked by these things, then you are not building the kingdom of our Lord. Thankfully, it's pretty easy to start. We live in a world that I dare say is, for many people, quite a scary time. For many people, it's quite a 
terrifying even. We don't know what the future will bring in our day-to-day. Just there's this, this anxiety, especially after COVID. There's this feeling that we are just at odds with everybody else. There's this fear of what will come that permeates just so much of the world today. But what that means also is is that the kingdom that is marked by love, the kingdom that is marked by hope, the kingdom that is marked by caring for others, it will shine now in a way that it hasn't in a long time. Do you want to be known as somebody who builds the kingdom? Then be marked as somebody that does these things for these people. Right now, there are, and I can tell you this from experience, an awful lot of sick people in our town because if it's not the flu or COVID or the RSV or one of the 80 different strains of cold going around, it's something. There's something to be said about making a bowl of soup, bringing it to them and saying that Jesus loves you, I care for you, have some soup. That might seem like a simple thing, but don't be underestimating just how that shows that our Lord is coming. Or look to our community in different ways. There's a reason that I got involved with the daycare when I did. There are many people that work in our community that have to drive to Portage to drop off their kids at daycare so they can drive all the way back so that they can then, at the end of the day, do the same thing right over again. It makes life long. It makes life a little bit miserable. And if you are somebody that is doing that because that's the cheapest way to get childcare while you work, there's something to be said for building a daycare even. Something to be said that I care for your well-being just like the Lord does as well. There are plenty of people that are mourning all around us. I dare say after the last three years, we keep it a lot to ourselves, but My experience has been, yours might be different, but my experience has been, go to somebody that you know in town, ask them how they're doing, probe into it just a little bit, and you kind of come out with about a 50-50 of either I'm doing fine or my life is caving in. It is surprising just how much God's love shows through just by sitting there and listening, asking about how their day is, and then helping as you can. The kingdom of heaven that is on its way, we want to think that it's built at the tip of a sword, that it's built with strength, that it's built with might. But that is the kingdom that does not last. The one that does is built by common people like the disciples, just simple fishermen in their case. 
Simple mechanics, simple farmers, simple... We're following the Lord as they feel that he is leading them and caring for their neighbors in these simple ways. Do you want to build the coming kingdom of our heaven, of heaven that we are called to build? That is how you do it. It seems puzzling. But that is how the Lord teaches us that we build his kingdom in the world now. Amen. As we consider the kingdom that we're building, I think this is a fitting song, Yet Not I, But Through Christ in Me. If you're able, I invite you to stand as we sing together to close.
Well, I can definitely smell the potluck, so I would encourage you guys to stay around for that. It's going to be a good time of conversation, wonderful food, and just fellowship. But for our benediction, we turn to the book of Numbers. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Go now and serve our wonderful God. With every